everybody welcome back to another edition of the untitled jeff gluck podcast i'm your host jeff gluck and i'm here in portland oregon with my friends kate ertman and brian david johnson we just watched the bristol race on television not there this week and so uh we are going to be passing along our observations from uh here on the couch but uh first of all um kate and brian uh how are you guys doing great it was a pretty pretty darn entertaining race today brian what do you think I thought it was great. Well, it's Bristol. I mean, come on. It's Bristol. So Bristol's always great. Yeah. And, you know, we were commenting, I think, throughout the race. I mean, uh, we could talk about the finish in a, in a second here. But for the most part, pretty solid race. The, the other podcast I've done with you guys was the Chicagoland race. Mm. Slide job race. <laughs> Slide so we, I feel Slide like job. we've, Slide yeah, job. we've we've watched two fairly good, fairly good races together here, I I, I think. I mean, yeah. so we're, we're probably two for two on good races. But um overall it was it was pretty decent uh, i think the the pick call at the end there maybe took something away from it but uh before we get to that i mean 90 percent of the race pretty solid would you say kate yeah absolutely it was entertaining all the way through it was um uh, it was definitely racing was happening every single lap so uh i i am really enjoyed it and just wish there wasn't as many commercials that there were <laughs> that, that, really. was, that was definitely something <laughs> I would I would agree about the commercials, and we can get into that later. But yeah, for me, like I said, so Bristol is my favorite track. Um, Bristol Night Race is is sort of to me the pinnacle of all racing, and I think Bristol as a race, just by the track itself and by the drivers and and by how they have to set up the cars, always makes it a great race. Like even if even if the drivers aren't up to snuff, even if the packages aren't up to snuff, it's still it's Bristol, so it's always going to be great. So um, okay, this, this is because it's it's kind of bothering me now because because it was the last <laughs> thing that we saw, but. Like I, I, I'm almost kind of mad at the pick call at the end and, and not because I am favoring one driver over another, but because I feel like it sort of robbed us of potentially a, a better finish. Um, and, and what I'm talking about is, so Kyle Busch ends up winning the race, um, Kurt Busch second, because they were completely gifted the track position. Um, they were going to have to pass cars or whoever um you know was was behind them i guess you know in, in theory it should, probably should have been logano stayed out keselowski stayed out blaney mm-hmm. stayed out and then it would have been the bush brothers behind them maybe i'm not getting that order exactly right depending on how they would have come off pit road but there was gonna be a really good battle i think between the penske teammates um once they all pitted for tires and of course keselowski got really screwed up yes. logano had uh came out eighth keselowski who knows where he was actually supposed to line up because he ended up getting penalized and then Blaney, I don't know where, where he restarted, but he made it back up to fourth. But it was basically like there was 14 laps to go when they restarted. No, I mean, based on the tire wear that we saw today, there was really not a chance. I mean, even from home, we're not crew chiefs, but it was like, what are, what are they doing? Yeah, what's happening? And then the Bush brothers just easily went away with it. And this is why, Jeff, I am not a crew chief. Because when I saw it, I was just like, oh, that's genius. Because I'm rooting for Blaney, so Blaney's my guy. I'm like, that's going to be a credit. They're going to get fresh tires, and they're just going to crawl up through the end. And I actually thought it was going to be a super fantastic ending. I thought it was going to be nasty. I thought there were going to be wrecks. I thought because with those fresh tires, they were just going to eat them up. It turns out no. I mean, yeah. it turns out like, but the Bush brothers, they were just gone. And that, I mean, that was disheartening to me. I, 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 I actually, if maybe if I'd watched the stats more like yourself, Jeff, that maybe I would have understood that. But I actually, I was really excited well, for those last few no, laps. No, I mean, I thought, I thought, well, I, oh, I guess the crew chiefs know something that we don't 
because they wouldn't have pitted there. And I, and then I, I, I think I might've even tweeted, Oh, it's going to be, this, this is going to be good. You know, now, now it's all mixed up. This is setting up well, but, um, I just thought surely they, they know something that they, they have information they're, right. they're watching the, the times and the lap times and how on the course of a run, what tires do, what they do on a short run. Um, but I mean, you know, Kyle Busch even seemed surprised Kate that, I mean, they sort of just, they're like, would you like to win today? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. It all, it kind of all happened so quickly for a moment there. I was kind of thinking that there was some, like they needed the race to end at a certain time. So at the top of the hour or the half hour, they would be cutting to the next show or something. They like, we need, we're, we're moving so fast today. We need to get this race done at the half hour mark. <laughs> and so, yeah, I wasn't sure what was happening at the end. And then I got excited for a little bit because I thought it was going to be a really messy restart because everyone would be, was so jazzed and ready to go. And then, well, we all saw what happened, which was really strangeness from the way that Kozlowski was positioned or that he got out on the track. I'm still not clear on what happened. Yeah, and, and we're recording this right after, so we haven't seen his quotes yet. And he said on the radio he was going to go visit the NASCAR hauler. But it seems to me like he, you know, it, it, and I saw, uh, I know this because I saw the Wood Brothers tweet about it. Kozlowski came off pit road a, ahead of a couple cars that um, had stayed out. Well, you can't do that as far as I know. Um, if you do pit, you have to come, you have to fall back in line and give the positions to the cars that stayed on the track. However, the, the way pit road at Bristol is so short, you could potentially, those cars are still going under caution. You could do your whole pit stop and get back out in front of them. So I think that what they were trying to say is, okay, get back in, get back in line behind these cars. He's fudging it. NASCAR didn't want him to wait another lap to, uh, to call the green. And so there's, they black flagged him. So do you think though, that what, Brad did did that mess up the end of the race I mean I think that just might be a, a multiplier of the weirdness it was just like because it was a weird ending right because again I I would have thought fresh tires would have eaten up the Bush brothers and then there was this weird thing going on with Brad in the back and it was like what the heck is going on here and then nothing I mean I, it was it was sort of that you know you thought it was going to end with a bang and it was just a whimper yeah, yeah, it was just, yeah. like, it was just uh, anticlimactic was and and you know not taking any, anything away from Kyle but it's just this has been sort of the year of Kyle so you're just you're just sort of waiting for someone else to and, and he's Kurt a great racer said, he's he a is, great racer I know, I know he well no doubt I mean uh but it would have been let's just play play this out for a minute because you're a futurist and this is not, I'm not saying that this is this falls into into your purview necessarily but what would have happened if Kurt Busch uh followed through and and was able to get close enough to wreck his brother as he said in the interview that he would have afterwards let's just play this out here so let's say last lap uh Kurt Busch gets close enough he sends Kyle spinning and he wins the race uh, as Kyle wrecks behind him. And that's old school NASCAR, right? That would be like, yes, let's do that. Let's have some more of that. <laughs> let's have some more of, again, brothers. How often? I mean, I think there was one time during the race where he had two uh, brothers. Two in, sets of brothers. Two sets yeah. of brothers in the top 10. I mean, how often does that happen in any sport to actually have that, which I actually think makes NASCAR really, really special. So you've got these brothers. So you not only have teams, but you also have brothers who are racing each other, but then they have brothers. I mean, again, you've got the younger brother who's doing better than the older brother, and the older brother then wrecks the younger brother and wins, bringing him up to parity for wins. Oh, that would be amazing. I know. That would have been awesome. Seriously. like, And, and as much as Kurt has been maligned throughout his career kate i mean yeah that he would have suddenly been uh in the running with chase for like most popular at least temporarily if he had if he had wrecked kyle for a win i think <laughs> i think you're very very right and i think that uh uh if i i don't know it's it's one of those things where we're we're sitting here 
kind of dreaming about what could have been or what, what it could be. And then we start getting into that whole world of, of is, you know, that orchestration of, of how do we want the race to end? And it becomes that whole thing of, of NASCAR being, you know, is it about the sport or is it about the entertainment part of the sport? And, um, it just, I mean, yes, the whole, I'm still really confused about the Kozlowski rest, where he started, um, where the restart was. And I kind of understand where he came out because of the way that the pit road is. But, um, I mean, it's, it's, it is what happened. And then, and unfortunately I am going to say right now for posterity, I called it that Kyle was going to get up there. You did. I'm going to uh, wait. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in. We were over 200 laps to the end. Yeah. And we were all sitting here again, watching at Jeff's place, and we were watching it. And Jeff said, "Who's going to win?" And we were some people saying Blaney, some people that, and and Kate called it. She's <laughs> like, she's like Kyle, and we're like, "What? Kyle's yeah. way back!" And she said, "It's going to be Kyle, and he's going to come up." And he, and she she basically called it step by step by step. I I at the time when you said Kyle, I was like, mm-hmm. no, because I I was like, he has a damaged car. The Penske cars are so much it's faster. Aerodynamics don't matter. Well, I thought they were going to more than they did because, as Kyle himself said yesterday, he had a snooty comment about the aero package and how difficult it was going to make it to pass. And after Phoenix, everybody in the garage was saying, "Uh uh-oh, Bristol and Richmond now are going to get screwed up because it's going to to be so hard to pass. But to me, it looked like a pretty standard Bristol race, standard being an exciting one. Yeah. And the, the whatever sticky stuff you want to call it on the bottom. Um, it seemed to stay there the whole race. Yeah. Where typically it had been wearing off and they, they had only put like a two foot strip on it. And I don't want to get too far into the, into the weeds on that because I think it, you know, it changes a lot. And, and so it doesn't really matter what happened. It's, it's almost like the weather, like, okay, it was going to rain, then it wasn't. But you know, the bottom line is it, it produced a good race, I think overall. So I would disagree though, because again, so I'm, I watch Bristol like a hawk. It's again, my favorite track. And I actually, what I love about Bristol is what I love about NASCAR is it's beating and banging, right? And so they're banging off of each other. And I actually think they stayed off each other. I mean, there was a little bit every now and again, people would drift up, but you actually weren't seeing as many people pushing people out of the way. You weren't seeing people actually using their cars as a part of their strategy. And that's what I really love about NASCAR and about Bristol. And I don't think there was as much of that. It wasn't completely let down, but I think there could have been more. But also with Kyle, I mean, I knew, I, um, I, I really felt that he was going to win even when it was over 200 laps left because he obviously, when he, you know, whatever it was, 237 laps left and he's just hanging there. He was about in fifth or sixth at that time. And the way he was hanging back, he was kind of like testing to see he would start trying to pass somebody and he could very easily look like he would be able to pass probably because of the stickiness. But he was holding back because he knew that it was so racy up front that there was no reason for him to try to have his car be wrecked anymore. So he just... Ugh, it doesn't matter what I think about Kyle. It's He's a damn good racer. So um, right now, best of this generation, Kyle Busch or Jimmy Johnson? Because back when I was at USA Today, I wrote a column saying Jimmy Johnson's the greatest driver ever. But as time goes on now and Jimmy continues to race, but not as well. And then Kyle just seems to be doing like mind-blowing things all the time. Even though he only has one championship, I'm kind of like, ooh, boy, I don't know if this is looking so great. You're raising your hands. What does that mean? You, you yeah, both have some to We say? both have answers, oh, okay. I can tell. Gotcha. Um, can I pick a third? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson's the best of this generation? I think just give it a few more years. I mean, it's, uh, I can He's go down. He's not doing much with it. Well, but I mean, racing as a race car driver. I do think that he's still, he's got plenty of time to prove himself. And I'm, I think... Six months from now, a year from now, he's going to, I 
it's all teamwork, right? All of this well, is all Well, he's got to leave Kamasi to, to prove that. Yeah, that is very, 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 very true. Very, very true. But um, yeah, so I'm going to say uh, pick C and say Kyle Larson. And I'm going to go with, there are two different eras of NASCAR. So I think Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson's amazing. Boom, confetti, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, that guy was absolutely amazing. And then you actually saw NASCAR change. I mean, you saw as we moved from Jimmy Johnson, we moved to stage racing. We moved to different the packages that came in. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not super jaded when it comes to this stuff. But one would say, I mean, NASCAR, because he was so dominant. And after a while, that becomes sort of boring. And so they started changing things. So all of a sudden, Jimmy wasn't winning as much. And so and who also knows what's going on behind the scenes with, with what's going on yeah. with his team and things like that. And so I would actually argue that you are seeing two different sides of two different eras of NASCAR. I think there's a Jimmy Johnson era. And now we're moving into a Kyle Busch era. And I think it's really different. But I actually think with all the new drivers coming up, much like Kate was saying about Larson and again, Gil Blaney, but that that's you're actually going to see a lot of these younger drivers coming up. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of faith in them right now, to be honest with you, these younger drivers. Um, Such a hater. Well, I mean, just so far, I mean, what, what we've seen is, I mean, they've been around for a couple of years. I mean, whether it's Blaney, Chase Elliott, um, Eric Jones, um, Bubba. I mean, Bubba's not in very good equipment, but... You know, all these guys that, that came in with a lot of hype, even William Byron, Bowman, uh, guys like that. And what you're seeing is every single week, it's um, Kyle Busch, Logano, Kozlowski. Right now, Harvick's having an off year, but he still seems to be up there a lot. Truex is having an off year by his standards since he moved over, but, I mean, it's still him a lot. Um, Denny Hamlin is experiencing a, renaissance, experiencing a career renaissance, sort of, or, or seems to be back to his normal self. And... Um, I just don't see these younger guys. I mean, Blaney's in the same equipment as Kozlowski and Logano, yet Kozlowski and Logano, I mean, outrun him. And, and it, you know, at some point you think, well, he's going to break through and catch them. But I don't know. I just, I feel like the guys who are already established and veteran guys, they're still young enough and they're going to dominate like the next 10 years. But is that, but is that a driver thing or is that a team thing? I think it's a driver thing. Well, because, but, but it's Blaney's first year, right? So it's Blaney's first year in this new second year, first year, second year. Well, I mean, he, you know, you can make an argument that, that Wood Brothers, he was at Penske last year, but you can make an argument that Wood Brothers was already an extension of Penske. Right. So you're going to so, know this more than me, but I guess it's my question. So is it the driver? Because as we all know, there's the driver and what the driver can do. And then there's the team and the package and what sort of what's going on behind them. And you've got a lot of those guys who are, have been there who have been solid for a long time, who are continuing to be solid, and who are, will continue to be solid. And that's, I guess, my question is, you've got, but you still are going to have this next generation coming up. It, it always happens, right? I mean, again, the guys that you talked about, you can pit against the previous, uh, the previous generation who have all aged out. So it's going to happen. I think it just might be, I think oftentimes when we say that there's going to be a new group coming up, that we think there's going to be a star, that all of a sudden there's just going to be this person who's going to rock it to the front, and all of a sudden they're just going to take the world by storm, NASCAR doesn't work like that. It's not, it's, it's, well, it, you, not, you don't do that. Not anymore. I mean, it, it has in the past. I mean, that's how Jeff Gordon, right? I mean, but I just don't, I, I think, and I think that, that people were expecting this to happen with this, with this crop of guys, but it hasn't so far. I mean, they were positioning it to be like, here come the next guys. They're going to be taken over. And I mean, it's still early, but I just feel like for the most part, they haven't produced on the level that, we would have thought they would. So anyway, I just, I know we got sort of off on a tangent here, but I just feel like 
I'm still waiting, and, and in I, the meantime, it's going to be a lot of Kyle and a lot of Brad and a lot of Joey. And I, and, but uh, we can keep going on this. I mean, so do you think that there's 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 changes that NASCAR needs to make, or that the organization needs to make to make sure that these young drivers have the opportunity? Do you think they do? I think they already do. I just think that they're being beaten by guys who are better and have more experience. I mean, I don't I don't think it's like anything against. I mean. You know, now Chase Elliott, he's he's sort of carrying the load for Hendrick, and Hendrick hasn't been as good lately. So if Hendrick gets their stuff up to where Penske and Gibbs seems to be, I mean, maybe you can make an argument then that, uh, you know, Chase Elliott will be winning more races. But, you know, I just feel like I'm, I'm just still waiting for everybody. And look, Eric Jones, uh, you know, he's on the same team as Kyle Busch. He, in theory, has the same equipment as... Kyle Busch, but he's not winning those races. Ryan Blaney, again, um, he, he leads laps and he, he shows speed. He's clearly talented, but I'm just saying that Joey Logano is pretty young still. Um, so do you think that in the current state of NASCAR, experience wins over talent? Absolutely. That's why Harvick's been... Well, no, no. I'll back, I'll back that up. I think that experience equals talent in a lot of cases. Um, the talented drivers with experience, I think that that's the combination. And I, I don't, I think that Kyle Busch, uh, Logano, Keselowski are more talented than the younger guys and they have experience. That's just my, my take. Yeah, I I would agree that. Yeah. That statement of, of that experience equals talent. I think, I think, um, well, what I always think is that the, the, the chemistry of the teamwork between the, you know, the crew chief and the spotter and the driver is so key and it has to be so spot on and it's such a sweet, sweet spot to make that work and it can make all the difference. But also with this, this era of NASCAR, it's not the same where you can have that scrappy kid come up up in and just wow everybody because he's fearless and he isn't, doesn't have all the, the, the knowledge, you know, he's that, that night. It used to be where they had this naivete, naiveness, naivete, naivete, (laughs) got it, that they had this naivete where they um, would come in and just be so crazy and all the experienced drivers would be so upset about everything because this, this, this young kid would come through. And now there's just so many other factors that um limit that what what can be called this this cockiness and that just doesn't make such a difference anymore in this era of nascar so i really yeah i appreciate what you just said about that it isn't so much isn't more about talent or experience that those are such equal um ingredients and i would put those two things together as being about seven you know 75 percent total and that last 25 percent is that i think that's the sweet spot of what that communication is in the moment between um, spotter and crew chief and driver. I well, think right. I mean, huge. look at look at Harvick and even Truex until they got themselves in the right situation. I mean, Harvick was always good, but he didn't become great until he got with SHR and and Childers. Um, Truex was pretty much a journeyman, right? I mean, mm-hmm. out of a ride MWR, and until he got with Cole Pern, um, nothing seemed to really go right for him. And so, yeah, that that communication sort of unlocked all the uh, potential that he had, but. Um, I think right now what what you're seeing with Kyle Busch is he's still young. He he is the best driver in NASCAR and he's got a great team who is just going to keep giving him the fastest cars or one of the fastest. It's uh, what we're seeing so far from Kyle this year, 3 wins, 19 playoff points. 
um, winning a race here at Bristol with that, you know, he damaged wasn't car. even supposed to. Yeah, with a damaged car. I mean, there is, it's going to be a long year for people who don't like Kyle. Well, even when we were watching it as you were going through to talking to people who don't like Kyle, I mean, you, we were watching the replay as they were showing him doing his victory lap. And you were like, well, look, he wrecked at the very beginning. And, and lap now, one. And, and now this kid won, right? And so that is amazing. But I think the thing we also have to remember, which I think is important as we look back, again, as a futurist looking back at history, we are seeing, I think, the pinnacle of Kyle Busch. It's not that he's done. I'm not saying that he's over. But very, very off, Very few times do you actually get in a, in a sports situation to go, you are watching an, an athlete and a team and an organization at the top of their game dominating. Now, we all might, depending on what you think of Kyle or whatever, you all might not like him. But you are watching an organization and an organism at the top and the peak of its performance. And like for me, I just enjoy that. Like, and by the way, this isn't going to last forever. But, you know, like you said, with, with Jimmy's dominance, by the same token, people found it boring after a while. They end up changing a lot of things. Now you have Kyle dominating, even though they've changed things to be to sort of uh, promote parody and promote crazy finishes and stages and we're going to stop the race to add more entertainment. We're going to change up the playoffs to eliminate people. And he's still... Because Kyle, I think, thrives in crazy. He thrives in he crazy? He thrives in crazy. Yeah. Because he's so good at restarts, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. Like, that guy in restarts is an artist. And, like, you watch him, like, work a restart. And so... And that's the craziness, right? You get all these cautions. And so I think he's an artist in this craziness. And I think that'll change. I actually th- do think we'll actually see that change as NASCAR moves forward. Well, and I, and I, I would be remiss to mention, uh, I, I say this a lot, but I'm, I'm a fan of their podcast. So the, the Positive Regression podcast, David Smith from Motorsports Analytics, and he has done you know a lot of study. Uh, the numbers show that a driver's peak age is 39, and Kyle Busch, several years away from that, not even close to that yet. So, I mean, as good as he's doing now, I'm, I'm telling you, but and, and going back to your point too, where, where people have to acknowledge greatness. I, I just think that people, okay. I think you might, if you talk to a Kyle Busch hater, you might get them to say, okay, yeah, he's great, but I don't care. Like that's not going to get me to watch or that's not going to encourage me. Yeah, like I, I still don't like him. They're going to say, you know what I mean? Well, I think what I'm telling you, well, hate him even more. This is the wonderful thing about sports, right? The sport sports give us something to care about and passionately hate people who have nothing to do with our daily lives, <laughs> right? That's what's awesome about sports. So again, if you're a hater of Kyle, awesome. Keep doing that. Again, you know, I've, we've been fans of the sport for a long, long time. So we remember haters of Jimmy. We remember haters of Gordon, oh, right? Gordon. Oh, the haters oh. of Gordon, right? The, the people who hated the Rainbow Warriors. It was like, well, okay, that's fine. That's the sport. That's great. But at one level, if, you, if you're an aficionado of the sport and you really want to take a step back and sort of think what's going on in the fullness of time, that's what gives me joy is to actually see what's going on and the kind of ebbs and flows of greatness in the sport. And I would agree with you. I think to my point, when it comes to Kyle, I think we are seeing the greatness of Kyle, which will keep going for a while. I don't think we're done much like Jimmy, much like Gordon, like much like Earnhardt, but Earnhardt was much longer than that. Like you will see this and it's, it's wild for me to watch. And again, I mean, I'm, I'm a begrudging fan of Kyle, but it's still amazing to watch. We, we mentioned that you are a futurist, and so um, there was a lot of talk today on Twitter, and, and I don't want to go too far into it just because it's sort of like something that we could talk about every single Bristol race lately, but 
Um, I think it was especially glaring today because they didn't sell tickets in uh, a large part of the stands uh, in the turns at all. I mean, they did it like a stadium style. Uh, they call it stadium style, but you know, basically two sides of a football stadium type thing where, where they, that was the only tickets they sold. But even that, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't close to sold out. Um, you know, how far does this go? I mean, it's it's obviously a, a trend that is still going. It hasn't reached the bottom yet as, in terms of attendance. Um, you know, how far does this play out for NASCAR? Obviously, we've seen some tracks, quote, right-sized things. Bristol still has their full seating capacity. Um, so where do, where do things end up? Well, I think the first step, if you're thinking about the future of NASCAR, is you have to take a step back, right? And you have to understand NASCAR's heyday. So I became a fan, Kate and I became fans of NASCAR in the 90s, heyday, right? I think we were talking about the first race that we went to was Talladega, which was, you told us, Jeff, like how many people? I think it was close to 180 or 170 back then. It's 180,000 people. That's bigger than a town. Right. And this this is the world of NASCAR. Right. And this was that world. And, and I completely understand from a business model standpoint, from a building out of the track standpoint. And as you move from the 80s into the 2000s, NASCAR was amazing. Right. It was huge. And now after the 2007, 2008 Great Recession, again, I'm going to get a little nerdy because I am a, a futurist, but you actually see the, the economics change. And but you had these Thunderdomes which is exactly what Bristol is. You have this amazing Thunderdome that that's never changed. That was built for the late 90s, early 2000s. And the sport isn't that sport anymore. Now, when I say that, I don't say that with regret because if you look at other sports, if you look at baseball, if you look at other sports out there, they're actually building, as as we were talking during the race, they're building smaller stadiums. So in baseball, they actually are keeping their capacity around 30,000. They're not actually actually building it bigger because it's more about the people who are watching on TV and not who's in the stands. So I think when people go online and go on Twitter and give you a hard time, Jeff, about like how many people are in the stands, I'm like, I think it's completely unfair. I think it's completely unfair. You can't actually look at a place that was built for 1999 when you're in 2019 and say, where are all the people? Well, but I, I think that the people, what happens is NASCAR's definitely made some decisions over the years that people either don't agree with or they find questionable or whatever. And there's a lot of merit to some of those decisions. We all know that NASCAR hasn't made every correct decision. Um, and Bristol itself, you know, a lot of people would say they screwed up the track by going from that one groove bull ring to having progressive banking. And so I think people want to look at that and say, well, see, this this fall off is because of what I believe NASCAR screwed up with. There has to be some merit in that. I know times have changed and stuff, but um, certainly there's some merit with those with those reasoning. No, you're this, shaking your and head. And this is why everybody should continue to listen to you and not me, because you're a total racing nerd, right? You, so when you talked about changing the track, you talked about actually changing the track for competition for the drivers. And then when I talk about changing, changing the track, when I'm, I wouldn't talk about that at all. I would talk about the stands. I would say you should take Bristol, and as much as I love Bristol, I think I'm going this year, right? 
you should take a lot of those tra- a lot of those stands and do what they did in say like a baseball stadium in Cleveland where they took a wide swath of the stands tore them down turned them into bars so you could actually go and get a burger and a beer and stand at a rail and watch it so most of these tracks, and as you go look at places like Bristol, places like Martinsville, places like Pocono, right, where the, these things haven't been changed since like all the grandfathers were back there. Let's go and change that. Let's actually make that. It's actually about the fan experience. If you're going to actually go and look at the stands and you're going to critique the stands and say we don't have enough people there, I think that's not fair. I think you need to go and actually change the venue and understand that how people come to a race, why they come to a race, what they do at a race is different. And I actually think you can actually up the revenues for the track, much like they started to do at the different baseball and basketball stadiums as well. Um, Let's go back to Kyle before we uh, finish on that topic. Um, Kate, uh, do you think there's any chance that like at this point in Kyle's life, he'll ever... Um, become someone who is sort of digestible, I guess, to the fans who don't like him. I, the fans who don't like him don't like <laughs> Kyle because he it can be a, he's a poor sport. Um, he's cocky. He, you know, is brash at times. Um, you know, he has a very sharp tongue. So he's clearly at this point in his life, he's not going to change, right? He's in his mid-30s. He is who he is. But the people who don't like him, do you see those people ever coming around on him or in any way? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, yeah, for sure. Because he, he used to be much more of a jerk. That's what I mean. That's how what I remember. I remember going to race just only, oh, gosh, probably two, three, four years ago. And we were in the infield and and really hearing the loudness of, of all the boos when he was um, – during driver introductions and um yeah i mean i mean it's like any of the drivers and it's like any humans you know you're as you get older you're gonna mellow a bit he's still gonna be he's still gonna at the core be who he is and he's still when in stressful moments or when he's um you know really hyped up he's still gonna have his comments that are gonna make everybody's eyes roll but the thing is that's you know it's his he's he's still he's still always going to be kyle but he's some of his, uh, uh, I don't know, he'll soften a bit, which he probably would hate to hear that. But um, I think that's just natural. And I think people are going to, uh, he'll absolutely gain, he'll gain more fans in the future. I think that's a definite. And I think look at what's happening with DW right now. So there are huge, I mean, back in the day, people hated DW. I mean, as a driver. As a driver. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely hated, hated. And I think the other thing that will happen is you will see the next generation of NASCAR fan come up. Because, by the way, there will be more generations of NASCAR fan. The sport is not going away. And you will have no fans who will only have known a time when he was a winner and he was the first winner. And so they will come up and they, and they will be nostalgic. And so I actually think you will see him soften, like Kate said, but you will also see the um, fans soften as well. Um, let, let's talk about the DW thing because, um, you know, I think a lot of us, well, I don't want to speak for you guys. I'll just speak for myself first and you guys can chime in if you want. So for me, uh, I've gotten really over these last few years, really frustrated with some of DW's commentary and have been sort of like eagerly anticipating when he will step aside. Um, Jenna Fryer wrote a column saying that very thing 
uh, I don't think it was too personal, but just saying like he's kind of annoying in the booth or, you know, somebody else needs to take this over. And then uh, she not only got shredded for it, but uh, it sort of kicked off this DW love fest, um, which and, and I think that the problem people had with Jenna's column was the timing because there was a realization that he was about to make his announcement um, and then he ended up doing that. So it was like, why, why do this to a guy when he's already on his way out? So I think that was people's primary objection. I can, I can see that if that was the case, but I don't think that she was obviously she, she wasn't writing it from that standpoint, but I, I could see that. But anyway, so DW, you know, we, we saw a lot of it during the broadcast today, a lot of elements. Um, it seems like these last few races uh, that he has left in his broadcasting career, it's going to be quite a, uh, a DW uh, celebration tour. Yeah, it's going to be absolute love fest on DW. And I absolutely appreciate everything he's done for the sport. I appreciate um, what his his success and his talents as a race car driver. And I think when he was first an announcer, he was absolutely a great addition to the booth. And it's just the fact that it's he's, he is a big part of this, you know, variety show hour some will, some will just call it the hee-haw thing of, of where he's not relatable anymore yeah. for the vast majority, not only the vast majority of, of, um, of younger generations, but also he's certainly not relatable in a serious way to those that they're trying, the people that they're trying to attract to the sport to become new fans. So if you, if you are younger and never even saw him race, I mean, at least I got to see him race in his last few years, but if you never saw him as a race car driver, you definitely turn on, turn on the TV and watch some broadcast. You're like, who's this guy? And why is he talking like that and it's just it's just not relatable and what you need is is someone in the booth who's going to be relatable to the you know to want to watch and want to listen um so it's absolutely time for him to not be there in the booth but in the same in the same amount of respect I give to him of you know I I think for Jenna it was just yeah it was just unfortunate timing of um of how everyone got really emotional about DW because because he is so obviously passionate about the sport. He isn't just someone who's there at a job every week. He so cares about the sport as a whole. He wants it to exist for such a long time. He doesn't want to see anything change. And, um, and so I give great respect to him, but also, yeah, time to go. Not It's not, yeah, time to go. And I think that's the hardest thing is when you start to see moving from one generation to another, another generation. This is what NASCAR is. We are right in the thick of right now. We are seeing NASCAR change from the 20th century into the 21st century, becoming a different sport, becoming a sport that we all love and we're all passionate about it. We all also, we should all say this. I mean, when we have these debates and when we get together and people get super excited or super pissed off, it's because we care about the sport. Let's right. be clear. We're all on the same team here. Yeah. Let's take a pause and be like, no, the reason why we're having these debates is because we all love this. But it's very difficult. It is a very difficult time to move from one generation to another generation. And that shift is never easy. And I think part of watching him go is to say, well, no, we're moving into a new generation. Let's, um, let's wrap this up by guessing what the Was It A Good Race poll will be to jump back into uh, this Bristol race. Um, we're going to have three guesses. So uh, do you guys want to go first? Or you want me to go first? This is going to be a, a tough one just because I think, like we said to start, 90% was a good race. 
and it wasn't that the ending was a was bad. It's just that it was anticlimactic, and then you had a Kyle Bush win on top of it, which I feel like takes away five to seven percent uh, often. So, uh, do you, what do you what do you want to have? You want to go first, Kate? Yeah, I'd love to go first. So, um, I believe that this is going to be eighty eight percent. Oh of, wow! Yeah, because yeah, the the end of the race was confusing, but doesn't everybody love a confusing, controversial? thing i'm i'm uh yeah i think for sure it's going to be absolutely a race that everyone said was great there was great passing and great just great competition the entire race it was a fun race to watch no matter which stage you turned on and yes the end was could be considered to be controversial and that will give great great conversations and press all during this week so um there's nothing wrong with it i mean it's yeah 88 percent is where i'm going Brian, what do you think? No, I'm going to pass it to you because I'm, oh. going to, I'm going to end with an irrational answer. Okay. Well, I, I was thinking even before Kate said 88%, I'm, I'm thinking I might go 85 um, just because I think it was mostly solid. I don't really see what people's objections to the racing would be, but just because of the, the Kyle factor. Um, yeah. I mean, I think obviously if, if it had been a situation where we, uh, fantasized about earlier where uh, Kurt Busch had wrecked his brother for the win. It could have been like the highest rated race ever in the poll. But um, as it is, I'll say 85%. What say you? So I'm going to go with you. So if if the Bush brothers had gotten to a wreck, like in that old school, you, you can imagine like the archival footage that would go like 10 years from now if that had actually happened. That right. would have played in all the promos forever and ever and ever. So certainly that was probably a, a missed opportunity for NASCAR. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my bias here. So it's Bristol. I think Bristol's an amazing track. I think every race at Bristol is amazing. Um, I'm going to go 91%. 91%. Okay. So you feel like it would have been... Uh, even higher. I mean, I assume you 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 are factoring in Kyle to that. So you feel like it would have been even higher. So you really it's my bias. Yeah. So so it's this is the Bristol bias. So I'm going to bring no, no, in the no, Bristol no. bias. Now for the it was the Bristol night race. We'd probably go up to like 96. So we just right. dial that up because yeah, yeah. it's Bristol. I mean, right. it's always going to be good. Like even if it was like little people going around and like there's little Shriner cars, it's still <laughs> going to be a good race. It's always going to be a good race at Bristol. All right. So Brian David Johnson. 91 percent kate ertman 88 and myself uh 85 you can follow brian at futurist bdj is that your Twitter bdj name? futurist oh, bdj futurist mm-hmm. and kate is go kate as in k and the number eight on twitter yeah. is that correct that is correct g-o-k okay. numeral eight g-o-k numeral eight Anyway, uh, thank you so much for joining me and thanks to the rest of you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.